Welcome to Sunday School. Are you excited to be here today? Yes. Good, because I like this, te- this text today. I'm really excited about this. Um, first, I want to say uh, thank you to Dave Barber for teaching the last two weeks, uh, getting us ready. Yes, thank you very much. Um, walking us into, that was no pun intended, uh, walking us into this text. Uh, he was talking about walking in the Spirit the last two weeks. Uh, so let's start by reading Galatians 5, 16 through 26, and then we'll look at Galatians chapter 6. Yes, I did say 6. That is the last chapter in Galatians. In two weeks, we'll be done with Galatians. So 20 weeks in Galatians. I've enjoyed it. I hope you have. So Galatians 5, 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders. I feel like I should take a bath here just reading all these words like this. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So Paul finishes up this section about walking in the Spirit and he follows it up with the text today about what to do now that we are walking in the Spirit. And a lot of people jump right into Galatians chapter 6 and want to engage in some type of restorative activity and they forget the prerequisites which are Galatians 5, 16 through 26 which is making sure we're walking in the Spirit. Um, Harry Ironside, one of my favorite commentators, calls Galatians 6 grace in action. That's your first blank. Now it's a bit of a... um, paradox if you think about grace and action because we think works are the action and grace is the gift, right? But if the gift is working like it should, there are outcomes from that. There are, there, there's something that outflows from that work. So Galatians 6 is what grace looks like in action. So um, just to do a little bit of review, Galatians 1 and 2, Paul throws down, this is who I am. This is where I'm from. This is my authority. Galatians 3 and 4 talks about the doctrine that he's bringing to them. And Galatians 5 and 6 are what do you do with that now? What's the outcome? What's the outflow of that? Now, what was the heresy at the Galatian church? Anybody remember? Mixing the law and grace, right? So I want a little law and I want a little faith and I put them in a blender and what I get doesn't taste good. It doesn't feel right and it doesn't, it's not comfortable because it's not supposed to, Right? It's just it doesn't work well that way. So when Paul's writing Galatians chapter 1 and he starts laying the foundation for the theology that he lays out in chapters, four, chapters 3 and 4, I think that he's already thinking about chapter 6 and how to bring these folks back in. This is not about just correcting the theology and drawing a line in the sand and that being it. And you be there and I be here. This has always been about Galatians 6 and getting them back into the fellowship. Okay, Because the thing that Jesus prayed over and over and over for us as believers was for us to be unified, for us to have unity, for us to love one another so that we could live together in unity. So Galatians chapter 6. 
Brethren, if a man is overtaken, it's a compound word. It means to be taken and to be seized and to be grabbed um, in any trespass. Anybody have a different translation for the word trespass? Any sin? Anybody else? Nothing? You got nothing, Josh? It's sin. Okay, it's not different. In any trespass, any sin. Another way to translate it is any falling aside or slipping. Um, Barclay's got a great line. He says, the best of men slip up. The word Paul uses, parapompto, does not mean a deliberate sin, but a slip as might come to a man on an icy road or a dangerous path. So we're walking in a place that's a little bit sketchy, and we slipped. All right? We slipped. So you who are spiritual. Now, I want to debunk a word. I hate this word. Um, <clears throat> yes, it's in the Bible, but yes, I hate this word. Everybody thinks the word spiritual is, oh, I'm spiritual. Yes, here we go. This is wonderful. There's almost this arrogance about it sometimes. The word spiritual, when you see it in the Bible, means spirit-filled. This is someone who is walking in the spirit. It is spirit-filled. It doesn't mean anything else than I'm operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. It is literally spirit-filled. So these are the people that are just described in Galatians chapter 5, right? We just walked through what does walking in the spirit look like. Well, this is the definition, and this is the application. So you who are spiritual, restore. Now, this is the first of several imperatives. And imperatives are, um, <clears throat> Keith Christman, stand up. Did I ask you to stand? No. I what? You, you told you to stand, right, yeah. And, and it was a little awkward there for a second, wasn't it? It, it? Even though we all knew what an imperative was, it's just like, ugh, I don't, I don't, right? We don't, adults don't like being told. How many of you enjoy being told what to do? You go to your favorite restaurant and they tell you what you're going to order. Well, time out. I, I, don't, I don't like that. Nobody likes being told what to do. Uh, our kids don't like it either, which is why they rebel, right? Um, restore. So this is an imperative. And most of these imperatives in this text today are present active imperatives. So it's keep on doing this. Keep on doing this. So this is keep on restoring. Keep on mending. Keep on completing. Um, there's three different uses of this in the New Testament. Um, and this is... It can be used for, I'll tell you the blank here in just a second. It can be used for mending um, nets. That's your blank. It can be used for mending nets. It can be used for setting bones, so a broken bone. Or it could be used for repairing a ship. So a ship is in a shipwreck. The, the, the stuff on the ship flies. I don't know what the word for the stuff on the ship is. What is it? The cargo. Cargo on the ship flies all over the place. Uh, that's number one, Miss Joe. We'll see how many we get to. Okay. Um, brain lapse due to several things. So the, the cargo on the ship goes everywhere and the ship has a hole in it. Well, what are you going to do? Well, you can't sail the ship that way, right? You got to fix the ship. You got to put the cargo back on the ship. You got to make sure it tests it's seaworthy. You break a bone. You go to the doctor and he instantly repairs it, right? No, that'd be nice though, right? <laughs> yeah, we're not living in Star Trek yet, so maybe one day, but um, that's not the way it works. There's a mending process. They, they fix it. They set it. I, uh, I had a green stick fracture when I was eight, nine years old of my right arm. We were swinging on the playground and uh, the monkey bars. And I fell and I caught myself and landed kind of like this. And the bone just kind of bent a little. And the fix for that was really nasty because the doctor put one hand here and put his other hand here and pushed it back. Um. Yeah, that's the way to start your Sunday morning. Good, welcome to Stewart Heights. Yes, I'm glad you're here, right? Uh, but then they put something around it to keep it stable. What was that? 
Yes, they put a cast. You've, you've heard of these. Yes, they're amazing, right? They put a cast on it. Uh, and the, the way it's used most often in the New Testament is mending nets. Because when you go fishing, you know stuff breaks. If you've ever been fishing, stuff just breaks. Lines break, nets break, stuff breaks. Um, so you fix it because you care about catching fish. This is the objective. So there's time that's taken to restore. This is also an imperative. This is also in the present active. It's keep on repairing. Keep on restoring. Now, I've got an object lesson this morning. Last week, uh, I had actually, what was it, two months ago maybe we bought the shirt? We bought these pants that night too, didn't we? Is it May? Yeah, that's a couple months ago. We bought these pants the same night though, right? They are nice pants, aren't they? Yeah. Um, we didn't buy them at the same time. Yeah, so, so I misremember most of my life. And if it hadn't been for the last uh, 12 and uh, 364th, 365ths uh, years, our anniversary is tomorrow, um, then uh, I would be even more completely lost than where I am. So it's amazing. But uh, we bought a shirt at where? Gap. Okay. I don't shop at the Gap very often. I'm not hip and cool like that. But we bought a shirt at the Gap and got it home, and I'm trying to branch out and not wear blue all the time. Every, every work shirt I have is either blue or white, um, so it's just kind of the way it is. But we get this shirt home, and it has a hole in the back of it. And it was the only one in my size in the store. And it was like, well, dang it, that's no good. This is awful, right? And... We just kind of got aggravated and just set it aside and didn't do anything with it. And then remembered that we have a master seamstress in our class. Right? She's like, yeah, no. <laughs> you're, you're awesome. Um, so brought it to Darla and said, um, can you fix the hole that is here? And Darla went and, yes, it looks great, uh, fixed the hole in the shirt. And my question for Darla this morning that she doesn't know is coming is when did you stop mending? When it was fixed. Why did you need to mend it? Because it was torn. So when do we use this application? When do we use this restorative principle? When there's a hole. When there's a tear. When something's wrong. When do we stop restoring? When it's fixed, right? When it's ready to stand on its own, when it's ready to be used for its natural purpose, that's when we stop. So thank you for fixing the shirt. See, it still has the tag on it. Good Lord, we didn't pay that, did we? (laughs) I can't imagine. I'm going to get sick to my stomach if we paid that. (laughs) Wow. We didn't pay that. I promise you that. Yeah, it's because it had a hole in it, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whew. I got... I broke out in a sweat here. This is... This is awful. All right. Okay. So, you who are spiritual, restore. So, this is the word for setting bones and specifically mending nets. Um, One in a spirit of gentleness. In a spirit of gentleness. And this is the gentleness. So, where have we heard that word lately? Yeah, it's in the fruits of the Spirit, isn't it? Yeah, this is the connectivity to the passage before. So, in a spirit of gentleness, um, Ironside, this quote from him here, it says, A hard, critical spirit will drive the failing one deeper into sin and make it more difficult to recover him at last. Right? Because we've all experienced somebody coming up uh, not gently. Right? That's not fun. You know, nobody wants a cheese grater scraped on their face. and just I'm going to restore you right now. You're sinning. And this is, like, no, just 
back off here a little bit. It, how many of you had cheese graters when you were growing up? Any cheese graters? That was one of my jobs whenever we had a salad at home. Um, anybody ever had that? Yeah, you had that job too. Um, and my mom was a stickler for we're going to shred that whole block of cheese. And the last little, like, you, you got to kind of, you have to be careful. Otherwise, you will come away with no fingertips, right? I mean, these things are just sharp. Nobody likes that type of confrontation. This is a gentle approach to restoration. Does that make sense? Okay. Considering. In a spirit of gentleness, considering. This is looking at, observing, contemplating, here's your blank, spying on. A little creepy word here, right? This is, I am spying on who? Yourself, right? Considering yourself. I'm spying on myself. I'm looking deep into my heart, into my motives, into my actions to make sure, to make sure there is no pride, there is no arrogance, there is no uh, anger, there is, that that's not where we're coming from with this, right? So considering yourself, lest you be tempted. And it didn't say lest you be sinning the same. It says lest you be tempted. So for me, this is almost a let's be aware of what could tempt us, not that we ignore all of that space, right? If I ignore all the aspects of life that could theoretically tempt me, what does my life look like? Well, I don't ever move, right? I never engage anyone. I never go out and engage culture. I never go out and engage sin. I never go out and engage our brothers and sisters. It, it's, well, I, that could be tempted. That could tempt me, right? No, I mean, there's some, there's some obligation to grow up and not be tossed about. But lest we be tempted, we should at least be aware. So verse, that was verse 1. I like Paul, guys, I'm telling you. Verse 2, bear. This is another imperative. Another present active imperative. So keep on bearing, keep on carrying, keep on lifting, keep on sustaining one another's burdens. Um, the, the root word for burden here is actually the walk. It's the way in which you live. So bear up one another as we walk. Bear up one another when we walk. There are things that are going to happen on your walk that you will need help with. There are things that are going to happen on my walk that I will need help with. Um, they found mold in my crawl space about two and a half weeks ago. I needed help because <laughs> I don't know what to do with mold other than to sneeze at it. Right? Um, so I had some friends that came over and gave me a quote on uh, how many commas it would take to uh, fix this. And, and then they came and they fixed it. Right? And that's cool. And while they were fixing it, I had a friend say, hey, why don't you stay at our place? Because that may not be the best place for you and your allergy-prone family. Y'all and y'all sickly selves, right? You need to be staying somewhere else. So we stayed somewhere else. And that was great because I needed help on my walk. And I wasn't falling into sin. It was just mold, right, which maybe is a good analogy for sin. I don't know because it's awful and it grows constantly. But, um, but bear one another's burdens. Now, this isn't a shift in topic. So we're going from restoring to bearing one another's burdens. This isn't a change in subject. Paul's not going, I'm I'm talking about something totally new now. This bearing one another's burdens is part of restoring. Okay? Because if you've ever needed to be restored, if you've ever gone through the restorative process and been on the receiving end, you know you need some help carrying this stuff. Right? And that's where this is coming from. 
So bear one another's burdens and so fulfill. This is another imperative, present active. Keep on fulfilling, keep on supplying or completing the law of Christ. Now, what's the law of Christ? What's the law of Christ? Love, Love, right? So he took all of the Old Testament law and he summed it up and he says, Love God and love man. So the law of Christ is love. Now, put my notes down for just a second. There is a very popular uh, business book on the market right now uh, by Sheryl Sandberg. Anybody know who Sheryl Sandberg is? Anybody? She's the COO of Facebook. She's doing okay. (laughs) Her base compensation in 2011 was $300,000. Not bad. Her stock options in 2011 were $30.7 million. She had a good year, okay, really good year. Uh, COO, major corporation, right? Um, She noticed and has noticed over the course of her career that women in leadership positions in corporations across America are not as high in number as men in leadership positions in corporations across America. Would everybody say that they would accept that as a relatively true statement? Yeah, there's more men in leadership positions than are women. The book that she wrote is called Lean In, and it is a reasoning, it's an explanation of all the different factors, some good, some bad, some horribly bad, about why there's a disparity at that level. And the book is an encouragement to women to lean in and accept and desire and go after leadership positions in a variety of scenarios. But the whole concept is... When you're sitting at the executive boardroom and there's a problem on the table, don't lean this way. Engage. Lean in. Get involved. Show yourself. Demonstrate yourself as leader and go, I want to be actively involved in the resolution of this. Okay? Does this make sense? All right. So you say, Jim, why in the world did you tell that story? Well, I think it's a really neat 21st century application of what Paul is teaching here, actually. Right? So let's look. It says, verse 2, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul says that bearing burdens completes Christ's commands to love. Paul is telling us to lean into each other's lives and be engaged. Love leans in. Okay? So when we share prayer requests at the end of the table, at the end of, at the end of the lesson, and you hear somebody go, "Oh wow, I need some help with this," lean in. Right? We have an opportunity to do this thing together, and I promise you, it doesn't make it cleaner, it doesn't make it neater, it doesn't make it nicer or more organized. But life's a whole lot more fun doing this thing together. I promise you. It will be messy around the edges. It will be uncomfortable. There will be times that it is inconvenient. But we get to do this together. <laughs> right? Right, Miss Joe? That's exactly right. So, verse 3. For if anyone thinks himself to be something or somebody when he is nothing or nobody, he deceives himself. So I'm going to just stop right here for just a second. This to me is one of the scariest concepts in all of Scripture. That, that I, here's your blank, can be self-deceived. And not only, I mean... I am deceiving, actively deceiving myself. Um, Ironside's got a great quote here. He says, The law of Christ is the law of love, and love seeks to help others in their distress and share the load with them. 
If anyone thinks himself superior to such service and stands upon his own dignity, he is but manifesting his own littleness. Cheese grater. Right? Um, he deceives himself. Um, Robertson's New Testament word picture says he leads his own mind astray. It's another way to translate this. And it doesn't say he's deceiving anybody else. Because we've all seen the folks that, I think I'm something. I've done this many times in my life. Hopefully not even today, but maybe. Um, Boy, I'm big and bad. This is awesome. Look at me. This is great. And everybody looking at it goes, no, you're not. What are you talking about? No way. This is... This is the classic sitcom character on any TV show. There's always got to be that one character that, oh, yeah, I'm awesome, I'm great, and everybody else in the room recognizes it, and it creates this comic tension, right? And that's, that's part of what makes this so obvious is that it's almost hilariously funny and how wrong and how backward it's all gotten. Um, <clears throat> verse 4, it says, But let each one examine another imperative. Now, this isn't an active Imperative. This is just a, a one-time, or test, or examine, or prove, or scrutinize, or approve his own work, or his business, or his job, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. Verse five: For each one shall bear his own load. You have a different word for load, anybody? What, what was the word over here? Action. That's good. Burden. Anybody else? Conduct. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. For each one shall bear his own... I said, I tell you, Jim, well, the Bible just contradicted itself. Right? There it was. It's a contradiction. It says, you're supposed to bear each other's burdens, and then it says, you bear your own. So, what's the answer? The answer is yes. Thank you. The answer is yes. The answer is, I have an obligation to help you. And I have an obligation to be an adult. Right? I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. There's an expectation among soldiers that you pull your part. And when your buddy slips and falls, there's an expectation that we don't leave them behind. Right? There's both. And if, if somebody manipulates one, so let's look at the extremes. Thank you, Dave Barber, for showing us the extremes last week. That was exceedingly helpful. I soaked on that for hours and hours. Um, so let's say we have the extreme side of helping others. And bearing others' burdens. This can manifest itself like a busybody, somebody up in everybody's business. Thank you for the quote, Amy. Um, she sent me, uh, so each one of these folks that sends me information each week, these quotes from these commentaries, generally puts some kind of individual, well, here's my spin on it too. And Amy's was, this should not be used as an excuse, I'm trying to quote it, not be used as an excuse to get in everybody else's business all the time, right? So there's a line here of appropriateness. So this can look like a busybody that's into everybody's business that turns into gossip, that turns into just I want to talk about all this stuff. So that's the extreme on one side. So what does the extreme on bearing your own burden look like? The extreme on bearing your own burden is you never ask for help. Is that I want to be a hero and I'll just somehow miraculously step up and pull this off and then I'll be able to talk about how great this thing was. Well, no. No, we're a body for a reason, not individuals, right? You see how we're both an individual and a collective, and this works together. Um, Jesus actually used this word in Matthew 23, 4, where he called his burden light. It's the exact same word. Um, So 
if your walk is heavy, I don't mean the circumstances, I mean the way in which you're trying to live out being a Christian, if that is heavy, perhaps we're not doing it the right way. Perhaps we have introduced some law-keeping that needs to be purged. Perhaps we need to get back to the gospel, which for me, this entire series has been about. Somebody asked me, how have I liked Galatians? And I said, honestly, I don't think I've ever hovered over the gospel this long in my entire Christian life. And it has been exceedingly refreshing because it reminds me that the gospel is for today, for today, for today. Not just the day I got saved, not just the day he will fix all this in the end, but it is for today. So you say, Jim, what's the point? Well, a couple things. Number one, walking in the Spirit is the prerequisite for restoration. There should be an intentional examination before we initiate a restorative process. Does this make sense? All right, so let's say... Um, let's say I see Keith, uh, I don't know, what's some gross, stupid sin that you could slip into. Uh, I see you uh, at Walmart, and somebody steps in front of you in line, and you just let them have it. I mean, shouting at the tops of your lungs, every expletive you can think of, and boom, there he goes. And I'm three people back. What do I do? What's my first step? Self-examination. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I try not to point fingers, but wrong. Um, my first step, yeah, my first step is not to step. Right? My first step is to make sure my heart is right and that I am walking in the Spirit. And you go, well, that might mean that nobody stops him. No, what that might mean is that we ought to do a better job of walking in righteousness and holiness before our God in the Spirit. Right? This is hard. This is why it's hard, because the bar is so high, because unity is so important. Because if I do this wrong, I could push him away. You see what's at stake? The relationship is at stake. And this is why I love... Where, where Paul puts this in the letter. I think this is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit right here, guys. Uh, I've coached a lot of basketball teams in my life. There are two times in the huddle that are critically important when a coach gets to talk to their players. The very first words out of the coach's mouth when the players come over are critically important. And the very last words are critically important because they're going to remember the first and the last of things. There's actually an educational theory that talks about that. So I examine myself. I don't step. And then I come over and I go, hey, brother. Quite honestly, maybe that's all I have to say because somebody just saw this thing. And I know in my own life, when I get, a, get away, like somebody could not see it, right? When I get away with some sin, I'm like, man, I'm glad nobody saw that. And then, and then that moment when, oh, somebody saw that. Oh, no. Right? Hey, brother. Let's, let's go walk around Walmart. Let me, let me pay for this, whatever you're, you're doing here, and let's go walk around Walmart and take, take a lap or two before you get in your car. Right? Because I love you, man. And, and yeah, let's just go, let's go talk about the Braves game. Right? They won nine in a row, so let's just talk about that for a minute. And then we'll work our way into, what in the world are you thinking? Smack him on the back of the head and go from there. Right? Um, <clears throat> I'm not saying we don't get to that point, but I'm saying... Maybe that's, the, maybe that's one of the lines I need to add. The first step is not the step. Right? The first step is to self-examine. Um, so, and, and so, guys, 
this is coming from the guy who has failed at this so many times uh, in the last three months even. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, God's been beating me up on this for a long time. So walking in the Spirit is the prerequisite for restoration. So what do I do with that? Walk in the Spirit. Right? Pretty basic. Uh, number two, introspection is critically important. So number two on the personalized is self-examine, 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 self-examine. Um, now there's a point at which you can self-examine to the, um, to the level of inactivity, right? I, I just I want to make sure I'm totally holy before I move, and, and I'll never step. No, there's some faith involved here too, right? I mean, let's just, Peter got to walk on water because he got his stinking butt out of the boat. Right, you, you you have you have to step at some point, even if it looks crazy. Um, and then, what's the point on number three at the, on the application? Grace is active. It really is. Faith works. Yeah. Um, so what do I do with that? Lean in. Um, Warren Wearsby had a great quote. He said, "Nothing reveals the wickedness of legalism better than the way the legalists treat those who have sinned." So who's Paul writing to? Paul's writing to folks that want to mix the law with faith, which the end result of that is legalism, which is a list of rules that you have to check off. And when you miss one of the rules that you've checked off, ah, let's shame this person. Let's put a scarlet A on this person's chest to make them walk around and away we go. Right? That's, that's legalism run amok is the scarlet letter, if you want to see like the, the literary example of this. Um, so what do we have an opportunity to do? Well, we can be different. We can be filled with the Spirit, we can walk in the Spirit, and we can lean in and engage. That's our choice, right? The Holy Spirit's going to do everything He can do, but it's our choice to lean in and engage. So my challenge to you is to lean in and to engage. When you share these prayer requests, lean in. What can you do? More than pray, absolutely pray, but what can you do to help? When you hear of a need, lean in and help. That's what we do, all right? Next week's passage is a furtherance of this concept. The week after that, Paul says, see you later to the Galatians. And that's it. All right? So, thanks for coming this morning. Lean in at prayer time. And uh, after you pray, you are dismissed. Thanks for coming.